0: wonderful privilege to share the Word of God and God has always been so good to me opened many doors of opportunity which I appreciate and I want to be serving him till the day he comes back or calls for me. I love him, I love serving him, I love his word, I love his presence and his power, I love his promises, his protection and all of his provision and everything that he does for us and that he is my portion. And he's given me the opportunity to share the word of God, even as I get older. And we're going to uh, read from Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower and the seeds. And we're going to look at, uh, pick up in the 18th verse of Matthew 13, where Jesus is, is uh, giving them the meaning of this parable, the sower that went out to sow seed and where he sowed seed in different soils. It says this in verse 18, listen into to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Understanding is so much, that's so important, especially for us in ministry, but for all of God's kids. And so the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he comes he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and riches choke it making it unfruitful, unfruitful. But the one who received the good seed the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times more than what was sown. Four different kinds of soil, the same climatic conditions, the same seed, the same sower, the heart was the difference. And so we've covered over the last two sessions uh, what, why we sow, how we sow, and today I want to pick and we've covered a bit of what we should what we sow, but I want to pick up on the, and with the, the answer to the fourth question: where or when to sow. And remember this that uh, we need to start with all the sowing. The sowing is the Word of God first and foremost, and then everything that's in there, all the promises and all the instructions and commands that God has given us, those are the things we are to sow. But we've got to understand that it all has to start inside our own hearts. Our own hearts is the first soil that God wants to sow His seed into in our lives, and so we allow Him to sow. In a sense, we sow it ourselves by receiving it, uh, with understanding, perception, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to our hearts about the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, and that's where it all starts. And so, when let's answer, try and answer the question, when to sow? And my simple answer, first of all, is this: and I'll try to explain it uh, it's a little more detail. But at every opportunity that we get, every opportunity gives us that God gives us, we're to sow uh, His Word, sow seeds, sow the promises, sow. His provision that He's given to us that can help others, etc., etc. From all of our hearts, with our strength and energy, everything we have within us. In other words, let's break that down. We need to sow in feast time and we need to sow in famine. We need to, in other words, a feast time when we've got plenty, when we have all that we need, we should still sow, even if we have more than we need, because God does provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And He provides with us with everything lavishly. So we generally, in the goodness and kindness of God, very often we find ourselves with more than we need. But that doesn't, shouldn't stop us from sowing. <clears throat> because when we sow, when we're in feast time, when we have more than we need, that is really, in a sense, sowing seed for the future. It's giving God an opportunity to uh, meet our needs and then also to meet the needs of others. In Acts chapter 2, God often uses uh, us in His provision for other people. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through through to 47, I want to read just pick little parts out of it. It says this of the early church, they had all things in common, selling their positions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. So God uses us to help others. And when we're helping others, we're sowing seed, good seed. In feast time, yes. In, in, in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 37 through to 37, I'm going to pick out parts of that as well. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind, unity. Uh, and and it goes on to say, no one claimed that anyone, any of his possessions uh, was his own. But they shared everything they had. And it goes on later to say, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned houses and land, sold them, brought them the money to uh, to the feet of the apostles, and eventually it goes on to say, and the apostles distributed it to anyone as they had need, or uh, that was in need. So, sowing in feast time keeps God's hand open for when we might have another need. Remember, we're talking about more than money here. We're talking about every possible kind of need we just sow. encouragement all those things that I covered earlier on as seed and then we also to sow in famine time uh, when you have less than you need uh, like Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 uh, I have you read it for yourself in chapter and verse 1 and then in verses 12 to 13 verse 1 says there was a famine in the land a great famine in the land but I'm picking up again in verse 12 it says this and you read right through to verse 34 you'll see how much God blessed him. When it says there was a famine in the land isaac planted crops and it goes on to say this the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the lord blessed him those times of need give god an opportunity to give back to you and through you the times of our own need are times for god to be able to prove His promises are true, not only for others, but for you, that they still stand today. Sowing in your own time of need is so important because it builds up your own faith. And all of us need our faith to be increasing. I daily pray, Lord, increase my faith. Give me an ever-increasing faith. A faith that's tenacious, uh, that's buoyant, no matter what comes my way. And through sowing the right things, we're able to actually build up our own faith. And then we also, not only in famine or in feast, but we to sow when people ask us or as we see their needs. Luke chapter 6 verse 30 through to verse 36 tell us that. And if you would read that for yourself, I'm not going to have a chance to do it. But, but Luke chapter 6 verses 30 to 36, read those for yourself and you'll see there that uh, Jesus wants us to, give, to, to sow generously. It's, again, we see that in James chapter 2 verses 15 through to 16, that if we see people, it's not only saying, God bless you. God says, if you've got the, the means, help them, surrender so their lives. And God says, fourthly, that not only should we give in feast and in famine, and when people ask us or we see people in need, but we're to give, live to give. In other words, give always, every opportunity you get. Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 27 and 28 say this, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, or desire deserve it, when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you have it with you now. So, there's a wonderful promise in that I want to read to you um, in Psalm uh, 37. It's one of those... Uh, parts of the Word of God that I read regularly, possibly many days of my uh, of my ministry life. But it's in Psalm 37. And if you would just open your Bibles there, read from verse 18 with me. Um, it's, a, it's just a wonderful blessing here. It says, The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, listen to this, in times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine... They will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay. Listen to this. But the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. I love this. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was, I was young. I can say this to some degree now for myself. I, I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. And uh, we could go on, but you could read that for yourself. So. We're to sow on every occasion that we get. And there's a wonderful promise in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, which just helps us to understand that we can increase increase our harvest by sowing more seed. He says, cast your bread on the waters and it won't be long before they return, bringing back all that you've sown and a whole lot more. So read it for yourself. Uh, Remember, water... Waters uh, in the, very often in the Bible refer to people. So when it says "cost your bread upon the waters," it's upon the people. Share with people, make available the little you have, and see what God can do. Something like the little boy with the with the, the fish and the loaves. Remember, on one occasion, Jesus just from those few little things, he's, he was able to feed four thousand and five thousand. And in God's hands, everything. Can be multiplied exponentially quickly moving on so we we're running out of time here where to sow we just answered when to sow uh, we've answered what to sow etc now it's where to sow and the answer simply is in good soil that's what luke tells us the good soil that's what produces a harvest 30 60 or 100 fold um, and again, can I just come back to this saying, your own heart has to be good soil. No unforgiveness, no bitterness, no greed, no jealousy, no selfish ambition, just good soil. A heart that wants to please God, a heart like God's own heart, that's, uh, that goes hard after God, that's a good heart. So generally, sowing in good soil, is, it means that we're going to sow into that which is productive, effective and fruit producing. Um, make sure that your own heart is doing that, but then make sure when it comes to giving, you're giving in the right places where, where that where what you give is being used and not wasted and abused. All right. When it comes to almsgiving, helping the poor, you prepare people's hearts. When you give almsgiving, that's a l m s, not a r m s. When you give to the poor, you really are preparing their hearts, helping uh, the poor. Uh, Their own hearts become good soil as they see that, hey, God loves me. He's even providing for me through these people. So give to ministries that are being effective, not those that are wasting money on themselves, self-glorifying, boasting about themselves, uh, media kind of uh, monstrosities in a sense, just always wanting to be in the limelight, trying to act like they're so big we to give secretly, and I hope I can get a chance to come back to that in, in, in uh, before the end of this message. So give to ministries that are being effective. But to keep giving, your time, your treasures, your talents, uh, your tithes, uh, to just keep selling to something that's going nowhere, it becomes unproductive. It's never going to change things. Unless God tells you, specifically i'm going to do something while you're doing this into an unproductive ministry then you better be praying for their hearts to be softened and changed and become good soil as well but you need to pray for god to help you guide you show you where to sow and if he tells you to keep sowing into ministries that are going nowhere well i don't know what to say to that but sow into good soil productive ministries and we'll move on quickly because time is going remember this that God has some financial, I don't know whether I can call it a system, but that's a, it, there's something that runs through the Word of God, a thread that runs through the Word of God, that uh, will help us to understand how to, to do all these things God's way, in the, the way the Word of God teaches. gods Can I use that word financial principles, and you bear with me on it? Uh, when you're praying, remember that God has, the Bible teaches clearly we to, to pay out, bring our tithes into the storehouse, the place where we get fed from. That should be our local church. If we're not being fed in our own local church, there's something wrong. When did we pray that God changes that local church and makes it a place that can feed people, where people are welcome and blessed, and they grow in grace, and their uh, sphere of influence is increasing? Uh, if people come to know Christ. Uh, that they they ministering into those areas that are uh, effective and count for God and seeing society changing. So there's tithes. And remember this, that private tithes protect you and they provide for the leadership in the church to carry on pastoring. We shouldn't be using our tithes uh, for building projects or even armsgiving, helping the poor. Tithes protect us, yes, but they also provide for leadership to pastor. And that is for local church ministry, as you see in Malachi chapter 3. Bringing the whole tide into the storehouse and test me now, God says. Then we have another part of God's financial system, which is called offerings. And offerings produce. Offering, in a sense, are sowing. Uh, they produce for you and they provide the, uh, uh, for projects. And they also provide for pro- the payments of the local church, the electricity, petrol costs, uh, rentals, mortgages, whatever the case may be. And you can just read a little bit about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through to 9, and then also in verse, uh, well, from chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, right through to chapter 9 and the 15th verse. Then there's a third one, which we've touched a bit, almsgiving. And almsgiving produce, uh, prepares people's hearts, and it provides for the poor, the needy, etc., and then there's the what the Bible calls apostolic giving, and apostolic giving is is what we find in Philippians chapter four verse nineteen, where you're giving to those that are out there serving God beyond the local church, and you you feel you see that in Acts chapter eleven verse twenty nine and thirty, and also one Corinthians sixteen, excuse me, verses one through to four. But almsgiving propels the planting of new churches, and translocal ministry. And then we move on to the next one in, in the scriptures, and that's parental or family responsibilities. And they are proof of our, the, the authenticity of our, our, of our experience, our salvation, and they pleasing to God. You'll find uh, family, uh, parental and family responsibilities taught in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Uh, From verse 3 onward, take very special note of verse 4 and verse 8. You'll find it also with Jesus in John chapter 19, uh, verses 25 to 27. It's funny that Jesus still had brothers around who were alive when he was on the cross and dying. But he said to John, take care of this woman. And uh, he looked after his mother. We as believers and the church needs to be looking after parents and teaching our people to look after their own uh, family. And then we have what the Bible, what I call, uh, covenantal respond, responsibilities, which includes the widow's list. Now, so few churches even have a widow's list. They're not looking after and caring for the widows, the legitimate widows. But read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, from verse 1 through to 17 of 1 Timothy 5, but take special note of verse 9, Leviticus nineteen thirty two. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21, Proverbs 23 verse 22, just some of the scriptures that I'm hoping you'll go home, you'll go back in your and look in your Bibles and read these for yourself. And then there's another part of God's financial principle regarding debt. And debt retains freedom for us. It keeps us free. Deuteronomy chapter 1, 15 verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 10. Deuteronomy 28, verses 12 to 13, and verse 43 to 44, Romans 13, 8. All of these say that we should let no man, no debt remain amongst you but the debt of love. And so, what well, I'd love to talk a little bit more on those things, we shouldn't borrow beyond what we can repay within seven years, the, the, when we proclaim freedom, um, the, the year of jubilee, So we shouldn't buy a house that we can't pay off in seven years. We shouldn't buy a car while we're still paying off the house if we can't pay off both of them within the seven years, etc., etc. hope that makes sense to you. you. And then there's an eighth part of God's financial systems regarding taxes. And taxes are God's provision for the nation and protection for you, for for us, for the people and government. Romans 13, 6 and 7 and Matthew 22, verses 15 to 22, Jesus actually said, even though I don't, shouldn't have to pay taxes, tells Peter, catch this fish and go and pay taxes for me and for you. Even Jesus paid taxes. Isn't that amazing? And so we don't want to pay our taxes like we've got toothache or like we had in surgery. Pay our taxes joyfully uh, and stop trying to get around all the things that God provides for you in the nation. And then there's the last little one here quickly, And that's the ninth one in God's God's financial system, vows. If you make vows, make sure you pay them. Don't be too quick to make vows. So often we say, Lord, if you get me out of the situation, I promise I'll serve you. And He gets us out and we don't serve Him. Teach the people and live yourself that we be careful that we make vows. And if we make them, that we keep them. And you can read for that Psalm 50, verse 14, as one of the scriptures for that. And so... In closing off this part of this uh, this session, I just want to say to you, if you read Matthew 25 verses 14 through to verse 30, and you take special note of uh, verses 24 to 29, the way you perceive God will seriously affect your sowing and your reaping. Remember that poor man, the man who only had one talent? He said, to me, I knew you were a cruel man, that you were... You were like a a heavy taskmaster, a hard taskmaster. That's why I buried my talent. You see, his perception of God was that God was out to get him instead of that God is there to bless him. So make sure your heart is the best of those four heart conditions. Everything that we sow in this life today not only reaps for us a benefit and a blessing now, and I read this this morning in my devotion, Now, God says, if you lead lands, your family, etc., for my sake, you'll receive a hundredfold what you received, what you left. In this life, unfortunately, some of the one gospel says with persecution, (laughs) it's there. But we get up. God's going to make up everything that we sow. He's going to provide back for us. We're never going to be the losers for it. But it's not only for time. It's for all of eternity. And you could read for yourself in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Matthew 19, 29, uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 29 to 30. All of these tell us we've got an eternal weight of glory. We're just pilgrims in this passing through uh, Project Earth. But we've got that in heaven waiting for us when we're going to hear that wonderful uh, word from God saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That right now Jesus is preparing a place for us in that many mansions helm in heaven, the house of God. Be patient, as James tells us in James 5, 7 and 8, while we sow. Galatians 6 verse 9 tells us that too. And may God bless you. May you become such a sower. May your church become a sowing church that reaps such a harvest. May you and your daily life walk see such blessing poured out upon you. And so, Father, we thank you that in Jesus' name, all your promises are yes. And we want to affirm that by saying, Amen. So let it be for us and for your people, for our families and for the churches we represent and the flow we flow with, every part of every one of us, that we may know your goodness, kindness, love, serve you, faithfully giving everything that we've got energy health strength wisdom whatever we have and all that you've given to us we'll sow it generously for your name's sake in jesus name amen god bless you